0: Welcome to this podcast. My name is Angelica and today's podcast is based on two of my written blogs, part one and part two of clearing your relationship baggage. So this uh, podcast is quite a bit longer than usually. All right, let's jump right in. I wonder if you've noticed that we often live one relationship after the next with the same patterns and issues. And you might have wondered what the reason for that is. The reason is that we don't learn how to grieve and complete relationships that end. And therefore, we carry the unresolved emotions forward into the future. And before we can complete our relationships, we need to discover the patterns, the unresolved emotions and the limiting beliefs we learn during those relationships. And in this podcast, I want to show you, based on a specific couple, how this discovery process can look. The goal is for all of us to change the old patterns and to make room for a successful relationship with our partner or our next partner. And the couple I'm using as an example are Robert and Ellie. Their names, of course, have been changed and their relationship histories have also been changed to protect their privacy. All right. So Ellie broke up with Robert and he says, I should have known this wouldn't work. She had so many issues. I always felt like I couldn't do anything right for her. She made me so mad by being controlling. I felt trapped. I'm glad she broke up with me because I haven't been invested in this relationship for a long time now. And Robert and Ellie are not the only ones who are ending a relationship. Statistics report a divorce rate of 50% these days. And if you include the romantic relationships which end where there wasn't a marriage, the estimated number is as high as 40 ended relationships for each formal divorce. So we all at some point have experienced the end of one or more relationships. And since we don't learn how to grieve and complete relationships that end, we carry the unresolved issues with us and then we try to solve them with the next partner, completely unaware of what they are. And just like Robert, the perspective we tend to have when a relationship ends is that the other person we were in a relationship with had a lot of emotional baggage. What do you think might be a better question to ask? Right. The more important question to ask for us is how much baggage we brought into the relationship. And usually when a relationship ends, both partners tend to assign the blame to the ex-partner. And unfortunately, this victim mentality makes the completion of prior relationships impossible. The painful loss story that we tell over and over, especially when it's accompanied by critical comments against the former partner, does absolutely nothing to encourage the storyteller to do anything different the next time around. So we're stuck in the same pattern, in the same cycle. We have to remember that we are always 100% responsible and we're 100% responsible for our feelings and for our reactions to what other people say or do. Nobody makes us feel a certain way, And nobody makes us act in a certain way either. One of my favorite quotes, which I like to share at workshops, is what I feel is not because of what the other person did, but because of a perception I have and because of the feeling choice I made regarding my perception. And I'll repeat that. And you can also find it in my written blog if you want to take a look at it again. What I feel is not because of what the other person did, but because of a perception I have and because of the feeling choice I made regarding my perception. So when we hold someone else responsible for our feelings, we literally put ourselves in an emotional jail. And this jail is built on two ideas. Idea number one is: others have the power to make us feel a certain way. And idea number two is we have to keep feeling this way until they release us, which usually never happens. So this victim mentality keeps us blind to our part in each relationship. And it seems easier, of course. It seems to remove us from responsibility. And what I mean by that is, for example, the responsibility of having chosen to be with or to stay with a person. We are also responsible for not just our feelings, but for following or not following our intuition. Because our intuition is an early warning system. Usually there's a point in every relationship where we know whether the person we're with is right for us. And when we override our intuition, we cause ourselves and others emotional damage by either entering into or staying in a relationship that does not work. And don't get me wrong. Every relationship, of course, is work and compromise is part of that work. So that's not what I'm talking about. And as long as both people are willing to continue doing the work, a relationship can function and you can work through all sorts of issues. However, if one or both people have an intuitive sense from the beginning that the other person is not the right partner, but they still make an excuse for why they should anyways continue with the relationship, then there's certainly responsibility in that. We are all, no exception, the architect of some of the relationship disasters, at least partially, because we always subconsciously act based on what we have learned growing up. So often people self-sabotage, and one of the reasons we self-sabotage is out of the fear of getting hurt again. If you, for example, don't get emotionally attached and instead you withhold from your partner, you are already setting up the end of a relationship. In order to be really close and intimate, we need to allow ourselves to be honest and vulnerable. We need to connect with and fully bond into our partner and stay closely connected to him or her. Russell Friedman and John W. James, the founders of the Grief Recovery Institute and authors of different books among these books is Moving On. They recommend an exercise in three parts, which helps you to discover your part of a relationship you are or you have been in. Because until you identify your part, you will carry your baggage into the next relationship because you can't do anything different. So you could do this this exercise as a journaling exercise or you can at least perhaps pause the recording and think about these three questions or three parts of discovering what is going on and taking responsibility. So part one of this exercise is to take responsibility for how you feel. And examples of not taking responsibilities would be, she made me feel not good enough, as Robert would say, or he made me feel unloved. Nobody makes us feel a certain way, but our partner often has an uncanny ability to trigger our earliest childhood wounds. And for Robert, his partner triggered early childhood feelings of not being good enough, and of not being able to do anything right. And Ellie also mirrored to Robert his mother, who he had experienced as controlling. So then he felt he had to have secrets like a teenager might who was rebelling against his parent. His need for freedom and alone time wasn't mad, and he felt unable to express his needs. So going back to part one of this exercise... Taking responsibility. Ask yourself, where in your relationship did you blame your partner for how you feel? We all do that because we're programmed to think this way. Can you take full responsibility for the feeling or feelings and communicate to your partner or your next partner, if that relationship is over, what your needs are? So question number one, where in your relationship did you blame your partner for how you feel? Part two of the exercise is where did you override your intuition? Robert had an early intuition before he and his girlfriend Ellie bought their house together that their different values and goals in life would create many problems. However, he felt it was time to settle down because all of his friends were in committed relationships or married He also felt it made financial sense to buy a house. So think back to some of the relationships you have been in and see if you can recall when you intuitively knew that someone wasn't right, but you continued on anyways. And what ideas did you use to justify going ahead? Be as honest as you can. Friedman and James have a nice quote in their book, which goes, discover the truth, take action based on the truth, the results will set you free. It's a variation of that famous quote, the truth will set you free. The truth won't do that quite yet. We still need to take action based on the truth that we have discovered. And then part three of the exercise is how did you self-sabotage? Robert had been hurt in prior relationships and he entered this relationship with Ellie with what's called a hard shield, a hard armoring. Um, I have written another blog on that topic if you're interested. So he was protecting himself from getting hurt again by emotionally giving less this time than in previous relationships, by not sharing everything from the start and by sharing less and less during the course of their relationship. And his justification was that his girlfriend would just get angry if he told her everything. His belief was that he would not be loved if she really knew him. So ask yourself, did you protect yourself from getting hurt by not being open and honest in your last relationship or in your previous relationship. And the second question, what limiting beliefs did you have? Examples would be, I am not lovable unless I am a certain way, unless I please the other person, unless I am a caretaker, unless I do certain things. Another limiting belief is, If my partner knew who I really was, they wouldn't love me anymore. Or, this one, if I share my feelings, it always backfires. Another limiting belief is, my needs are not important, so I mustn't be needy. Needy is one of those traps that we fall into in relationships. People are only as needy as their unmet needs. So really nobody is too needy. When we feel needy, it's just the feedback that we need to meet our own needs. Another limiting belief would, of course, be women can't be trusted or men can't be trusted, depending on what gender you are. And these are all subconscious beliefs which hold you back from creating a different relationship. And there's techniques like the technique Psyche or the Shadow Energetics belief change process that we can use to change these subconscious programs so that you can dump your old relationship baggage to make room for a loving and well functioning relationship. Like I've said earlier, we cannot emotionally complete our past until we are aware of what our patterns are. If we don't understand our patterns, our habits, our beliefs, we bring our emotional baggage into the next relationship and our relationship history will keep repeating itself. So our next practical step to achieve clarity is to examine your relationship history And we're going to take Robert and Ellie as an example for you to see how you can do this. And while I read out their relationship histories, you might want to listen for Robert's and Ellie's unresolved emotions and repeating patterns. And also their limiting beliefs and habits that they have learned. So this is Robert's relationship history. Robert grew up with a critical and controlling mother And he often felt like he could do nothing right. And his relationship history begins in grade seven with a girl named Emma. Emma was the first girl I kissed, says Robert. She told her girlfriends that I was a bad kisser. I felt embarrassed and like a failure. That was grade seven. And then the next episode that Robert recalls takes us to grade 10 and a girl named Hannah I had a long time crush on Hannah before I finally asked her out we went to the movies I wanted to be respectful but she made fun of me for not trying to feel her up in the dark theater I felt embarrassed like I can't win no matter what I do I didn't ask her for a second date then in grade 11, there's Lara. Robert says, At my brother's 19th birthday party, I got drunk and hooked up with Lara. After the party, I was too embarrassed to call her. A month later, she had another boyfriend. I always regretted not having followed up with her. In grade 12, uh, Robert um meets Veronica, he says, I went out with Veronica during my grade 12th year. We broke up twice because she nagged so much. I always felt that I wasn't what she wanted. She wanted somebody who talked more and was more secure and more self-confident. Now then, we're after school. Um, after school is over. Robert says, Anne and I had a long-distance relationship for the first three years, when we both ended up in Toronto after graduating, and we moved in together. Luckily, we only rented an apartment. Within three months, it was clear that we could not live together. She was a neat freak, and I was constantly walking on eggshells, trying to keep everything tidy and clean, She also didn't like my friends, and I allowed her to control who I spent time with. She drove me nuts, and I broke up with her when I met Christina. In fact, I had an affair with Christina before I moved out of the apartment Anne and I shared. When Anne found out, we had a huge blowout with her yelling and kicking me out. Now that takes us to Christina. Robert says, Christina was much more easygoing than Anne. At first, we had a lot of fun together, partying and going dancing a lot. Eventually, Christina also started nagging. She was very high maintenance. She often complained that I wasn't making enough money. That made me feel inadequate and angry. I liked her less and less. She would get very angry at me when I forgot to tell her something. She would even throw things at me. Her yelling reminded me of my mother. I totally shut down when she yelled. She even went through my pockets, phone and computer to snoop after me. I stopped sharing with her. After one huge fight, I swore I would never trust her again. I moved out to live with my brother Frank until I met Ellie. So now we're in present day and the relationship with Ellie, which is actually a time span of five years, 2012 to 2017. Robert says, I thought Ellie was different. She seemed so understanding and non-judgmental at the beginning. She was younger than me, but she also wanted to buy a house, not a ridiculously huge house like Christina, but a townhouse, a good investment. We both had stable jobs and it made sense to buy something together from the start. Most of my buddies and even my brother were getting married and it felt like Ellie could be the one. There were some signs early on, though, that she needed to know everything about what I was doing. At first, I gave up some of the stuff I liked to do, but I soon felt trapped like I had felt with Anne and Christina. I also felt that I couldn't do anything right. Ellie always wanted to talk, and that usually meant she was unhappy with something. I didn't want to have another failed relationship, so I just started telling her that I had to work late some days to have some time to myself. I felt like my needs didn't matter. During the summer of 2016, Lara, you might remember that Lara was one of the girls from his uh, childhood, Lara reached out to me on Facebook. I knew Ellie was checking my friends on Facebook, so I never added Lara. Instead, I started communicating with her in secret. I knew Ellie would insist on meeting her as well. When I met with Lara for lunch, for the first time, I felt so good. I finally had somebody I could talk to about my issues with Ellie. Her husband had cancer and she also needed somebody to share with. I felt like she appreciated me. I felt what I hadn't felt in a long time. Good enough and capable. We first met once a month, but in 2017, we started meeting once a week. A friend of Ellie's saw us. And when Ellie found out that we had been meeting in secret, she totally lost it. I understand why Ellie feels betrayed, but I don't know how I could have had my own needs met and also make Ellie feel happy and secure. I am moving out as soon as our house has been sold. Now, Robert's partner Ellie also has a relationship history. And it starts when Ellie was five, her parents divorced. Her dad left and remarried and Ellie always felt unwanted by him and his second wife. And her own mother, after the father left, was depressed and Ellie had to take care of her emotionally. So Ellie's history starts in grade eight with Ben. Ben asked me if I wanted to be his girlfriend, says Ellie. We hung out a couple of times each week. I felt proud and totally trusted him. Six weeks after he asked me to be his girl, he told me we couldn't hang out because he had a family thing. The same evening, I saw him in town kissing Anne Marie, who everybody knew was easy. I felt really stupid that I didn't know what he, that he had lied to me. I felt rejected and betrayed. From g- grade 8, we're going to grade 9, 10. And a boy named Michael. Michael and I were friends first. He had a lot of problems at home. I was a good listener and I felt he needed me. When he and his family moved away, I was devastated. He had promised to stay in touch, but he didn't. I felt huge sadness, which felt very similar to the feeling when my dad left. And then Ellie's history continues in grade 12 with Adam. She says, "I was dating Adam for six months. During prom night, he got drunk, and I felt embarrassed by his behavior. I was glad that he moved away for university." So now we're um, during Ellie's university years, and there is somebody called Brian. She says, "I met Brian at university. He was a year younger than me. Each time I brought up wanting to get married after university, he said he wasn't ready. In 2010, he moved into my apartment because he felt we could save money. Things went downhill from there. We had different schedules, and he liked to be out late partying. I felt anxious when he was out with his friends, and he felt I was asking too many questions and that I was too boring. And then we're um, in... The present time with Robert, Ellie says, when I first met Robert, I loved that he was older and more serious. He liked that I listened to him and helped him solve some problems. He also seemed to try so hard to make me happy. I felt special. It seemed like a good decision to buy a house together, but over time, Robert retreated. He stopped sharing with me and talking to me. When I tried to talk to him about problems, he usually got defensive. I felt unimportant, not heard and rejected. Each time he stonewalled, I felt anxious and pushed him even more to be honest about his feelings and needs and to open up. We accumulated many issues that Robert refused to talk about. I felt rejected. When I found out that he had weekly lunch dates with his high school friend Lara and confided in her regarding our problems... My entire world collapsed. I am sure he is in love with her. I feel replaced and betrayed. Robert substituted me just like my dad replaced me with his new children. I broke up with Robert because I cannot trust him again. So, when we read or hear these relationship histories, we can see unresolved emotions and repeating patterns for both partners. And of course, there's also limiting beliefs and habits they have learned. Robert's unresolved emotions and patterns are feeling not good enough, feeling embarrassed, feeling criticized and feeling trapped. He believes that that his needs don't matter. And I'm sure you noticed that his habits are to be secretive and to close up with his partner. And the more he feels controlled, the more he closes up. So instead of addressing his needs, he tends to move on to the next partner, who initially seems to be more understanding, only to find himself in the same cycle after a while. And Ellie's patterns are to feel not heard, embarrassed, excluded, rejected, unimportant and replaced. She believes that she has to be a good listener and to be needed like her mom needed her and her habit is to push when her partner retreats and to be controlling due to her fear of being replaced like she was in childhood or that was the experience she had in childhood. Both Robert and Ellie recreated what they most fear. Robert continually experienced feeling trapped, being controlled and feeling not good enough and Ellie repeatedly experienced feeling left out, rejected and replaced. So their issues fit into each other. Their relationship was an opportunity and incentive to resolve those issues and heal their old wounds. So the romantic relationship history is a discovery action. Discovery and completion are not the same. The exercise helped Robert and Ellie to remember all their past relationships in a way that they had not looked at them before. They examined each of them for uncompleted emotions and beliefs learned through the experiences. And you can do the same for your past relationships. It's an exercise I highly recommend. You'll probably be surprised about the insights. However, intellectual knowledge is only the first step because it's of limited value. At the end of each relationship, we're left with unrealized hopes, dreams and expectations. There are always things which we wish had been different, better, or more. And Robert and Ellie need to do some deeper work on completing all those relationships that they're mentioning, including taking responsibility for their part, forgiving the other people and themselves, and clearing out lingering emotions and completing unfinished communications. When a relationship ends, it's most of the time impossible to achieve that completion in a direct communication with your former partner because most ex-partners are not on speaking terms anymore or at least not on speaking terms so that they could really work through things. So Russell Friedman and John W. James, the founders of the Grief Recovery Institute, they have developed a very practical program to complete the relationships we have experienced and to clear out our baggage before we move into the next relationship. And you're very welcome to contact me for more information on this grief recovery work or on changing beliefs of Psyche or Shadow Energetics or any other tools I use to help you dump your relationship baggage. My name's Angelica. My phone number is 905-286-9466 or you can email me to greendoorrelaxation at yahoo.ca And if you're enjoying my articles, my blogs, you can subscribe to receive an email notification when I post a new blog. All you need to do is enter your email address in the field on my website. And I thank you very much for your support. Or you can, of course, also subscribe here to my podcast channel to be notified of a new recording. Most of my blog articles I also record as a podcast. Mm -hmm. I hope you have a fabulous day and um, good luck with creating your relationship history.